Last off. <laughs> Recording in progress. The thing that makes me cringe. Okay, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to another week's episode of Pond Hockey. Um, it's been an, an eventful week. Uh, pretty unexpected yeah. week. Well, depending on if you're from the future or not, because to me, it's very unexpected with how the conference finals have been going and just the news in general this week. Um, I want to address the elephant in the room. Yes, I got my haircut. Please do not chirp me too badly. <laughs> I, I promise <laughs> it will grow back. I promise. But um, just this week for the conference finals, it's like I don't even really know where to start because there's so much, like, I guess just unexpected turn of events where it's kind of hard to break it down because it, both series are looking like they're going to be three to nothing by the end of the night because Vegas is kicking the stars up and down the ice. Um, From what I've seen in these series, it's not necessarily like the teams that are down three to nothing. It's not necessarily their fault because it's not like all the games are blowouts. Like it's strictly going only the Panthers way and only Vegas's way. Like it's just a really weird dynamic. Until tonight, every game, uh, up until this one was decided by one goal. Yeah, and it that still has a chance to be decided by one goal because Dallas is bipolar whenever they want to score versus when they don't. I I know. Um, I know. I guess just like speaking of <laughs> speaking of like the Vegas and Dallas series since that's the game going on tonight, like especially this series has me very confused because both teams have been playing really well honestly with the exception of Dallas tonight. Um Mm-hmm. it, it kind of happens when both of the first two games go to overtime and then wh- whatever this game is going to end up being, which I wouldn't be surprised if it ends like three to two, four to two, it'll, something like that. Who knows? I hope so. um, but especially with this series, like every single game in Vegas went to overtime. So it's one of those things where it could very easily be Dallas on the other side of this. Because both of these teams are just so evenly matched. It's just one team has gotten a break when they needed it, and the other's just been shit out of luck, for lack of a better term. It helps that Aiden Hill is possibly playing the greatest of his entire career. Oh, yeah. Like, very unexpected, because I thought we would be sitting here talking about, like, who should you start, Aiden Hill or Jonathan Quick? Because Quick has the experience, but Aiden Hill has been holding it down. Like surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Like I remember. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. For, it is a testament to how uh, Boston has gone backwards. I think they made the biggest mistake of their life, letting Bruce Cassidy walk. Yeah, I mean, Vegas I guess has been their best. Twenty twenty with yeah. that one. I think Vegas has been their best with guys that I don't think are fossils. I.e., the guy they're playing against. <laughs> you it, Vegas fans, if you know, you know, you know how much of a useless turd he is. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised that the Bruins let Bruce Cassidy go after a while because he wasn't a bad coach. Like he was a great he was a great, a great coach, coach, honestly. Like I, I stand by that. He's a great coach. He's a great coach. As a fan, I thought Gerard Gallant's a great coach as well. Yeah. 
That'll be another one. That's another one that's confusing that the Rangers let Gerard Gallant go. I wonder where he doesn't keep a job for long, and that surprised me because anywhere he goes, he usually has like good success for the most part, which is always weird to me. It's it's kind of like Peter DeBoer syndrome a little bit, and Peter DeBoer is coach of the Dallas Stars right now. It's like Peter DeBoer, where like his teams are always really really good, but they're not good enough to get over that hump of like actually be on the brink of winning. It's really weird because Gerard Gallant. He made that Stanley Cup final appearance in 2018, which feels like a like a millennium away from right That's now. The, yeah, the the like, goal must have been a league for five. Uh, yeah, five. It's their fifth year. year, fifth, sixth year. Yeah, something like they that. Lost the cup. Lost the cup. Lost the Sharks. Uh, conference final. Conference. LOL final. stars. LOL stars. Uh, choke against the Habs, not make the play. Yeah, it's your sixth year, and they already, uh, and like, let's just like stop for a minute. Vegas success in like their first six seasons, stupid, it's like unheard of. And they have a legitimate shot of winning the cup this year. Mm-hmm. Like, Vegas in their first six years, that and like, it just kind of puts the expansion draft into perspective, especially that year. Because they still have a bunch of pieces. Like their entire second line of Carlson, Marcia So, and Riley Smith are Riley still Smith, together. Yeah. Like just that They've line alone, off. that line alone made that expansion draft a resounding success because that line's still scoring. Like Vegas is running through Marcia So and Eichel right now. And Marcia So has arguably been the best Vegas forward of the series. Through the star series, yeah, through the star series, he's been he's been great. He's actually been great throughout the entire playoffs. Like, guy hasn't missed a beat since he's been with Vegas. Like, it's actually kind of crazy to see because when he was with Florida, he wasn't like he wasn't a world beater. Like, he was a good player, but he wasn't like a guy who you just sit and have like an entire scouting session on. But in Vegas, he's a game changer. It's really weird to see. Yeah, I think Florida misses him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about that, actually, because look at them now. Nah, I'm just messing. It, like yeah. I said, hindsight's 2020. At a time, that, I guess at a are. time. Yeah, at a time, they would have missed him. Like, you know, like the 2017, 2018, like, sure, they would have missed him. But I think they're doing pretty good right now. I think they're pretty happy with where they are. Oh, yeah. Especially because uh, we said... Especially with game one, let's make let's make the first game of the conference finals be one of the longest games ever. Oh, okay. So we're I we're just gonna bounce around from the two series because they're very similar. It's odd. It's they're odd how similar, similar they are. But I remember watching um the Carolina and Florida game one. I had to go to Hershey Park the next day. Like I had to wake up at like seven in the morning the next day to make sure like we beat all the lines and everything to get into the park yeah the game's running like midnight and then it turns to one in the morning and it's like the fourth overtime i'm like okay if i'm committing this much to this game i want it to go to the fifth overtime like i just want chaos i want to see the longest nhl game ever it'll just be worth the wait (laughs) and matthew kachuk scores with 12 seconds left and i'm like oh it's over but at the same time like oh that was kind of a waste of time (laughs) <laughs> I will say, though, I've loved Matthew Kachuk's uh, overtime celebrations where it's like, yeah, we scored, get off the ice, get off the ice, get off the ice. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Let's go to bed. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, he's been great. Um, 
and especially with Florida, there have been like two guys throughout this entire run that it, really three, honestly, there's one guy who's not getting a lot of praise that he deserves. The three guys to me are Matthew Kachuk, of course, mm-hmm. Sergey Bobrovsky, who's gotten yes. a lot of media attention. And he deserves it. The other guy's Brandon Montour. Montour has been crazy. He's been amazing. Like he played, I think upwards of 57 minutes in game one or something crazy like that. Let me check. And he had like 10 block shots. He had almost 58. He played 57, yeah. 56. Yeah, and it he, was uh... crazy. And it's not like they, these much. minutes were just like coasting minutes. They were like punch you in the face hockey. Like he was great. Yeah, Brandon Monster is a weird play. He's a crazy kid. I remember throughout the regular season, a lot of complaints that Panthers fans had was like one minute Brendan Montour was like, you you would not be able to see him. You wouldn't be able to point him out on the ice because he didn't do all that much. And now in the playoffs, it's like he's an integral part to the team. If you don't have him, I don't think Florida makes it this far. Now, he's such a weird guy, especially because they got they got a lot of help from the Sabres because another guy I think that's been underrated uh, Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah. Holy. holy Sam Reinhardt's Sam been... Sam Reinhardt, like, he hasn't potted a ton of goals throughout this postseason, but the goals he has scored... Oh, so annoying. ...were... Sam Reinhardt's goals he has scored in these playoffs have all been important ones. Like, all of them have come to, like, crunch time, you need a goal, you need someone to step up, and it's been Sam Reinhardt. I also think Sam Bennett might... <laughs> probably be one of the biggest he's up there with Marchand starting to be with one of the biggest rats in the league the funny thing was with Calgary Sam Bennett was like was never like that I don't remember a single time where he was like that ghost and that combination of Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk like good luck and like you can tell when teams are playing against them because every single team when they're playing against Kachuk or Bennett just looks so pissed off to be there I would never want to play time. either of the Kachuk brothers. I'm dead serious. I think they're probably two, two of the scariest players in the league in my mind. I, I think Matthew Kachuk is such a dangerous player. He reminds me a lot of Tom Wilson, but he has just he a better, way broader skill set than Tom Wilson's ever had. He's basically Tom Wilson, but he can play elite-level hockey with the best players in the league. Like Tom Wilson never really anchored a line. Like, he'd be on there to, like, protect, mm-hmm. like, Ovi and Backstrom and pot a couple of goals. Like, he he's a decent player. Like, I'd kill to have him on my team any day. But Kachuk oh, yeah. is, like, a number one guy. He You can call on him for the grit. And you can call for him to, to score a goal, too. Like, he's – I don't have enough um, praise to give Kachuk, especially throughout this postseason, like, Oh yeah, I was I was bitter about Toronto losing to Florida, but like now I'm sitting here and I'm just like, Florida's a damn good team. Like Florida's gonna fuck her out of Winnipeg. <laughs> I don't. For as much praise as I gave Vegas, I don't know if Vegas can beat them with how Bobrovsky's playing, unless he turns into a complete pumpkin. It's always a chance. I don't know how they're gonna beat him. Them. But then again, it's always the same with it because Aiden Hill's never really been a good goalie. No, he wasn't up until now, literally right now. But um, the playoffs are where mediocre goalies can come in and just be superstars. It happens hey, all the time. Because hey, like, take Jonathan one. Quick, Jonathan Quick, yeah, Bennington. 
who represents Anton Kudobin. <laughs> Dude, Anton Kudobin went from being terrible to being Elite. like two wins away from a cup uh, as a backbone of that Stars team to being that terrible to again. Then went to one of the worst teams in the league and gave one of the worst goals I think I've ever seen. I remember watching that game with you when <laughs> he had that turnover to Connor Sherry. Yeah, that was God, the yeah, that was one of the worst goals I have ever seen, and I've seen oh, some bad, bad ones. That's bad. That like that's up there with the. Uh, I don't know if you remember the one, Corel the Milka meatball. <laughs> was that against the Flyers? I think I think I know which I one you're talking so, yeah. about. <laughs> that was that dude's first NHL goal. I think I don't even remember his name. I think he's only I ever played like you, five so career funny. NHL games. Like something that, really dumb. <laughs> it was so funny. But dude, I could have scored that goal like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anybody not named Patrick Stefan could have probably scored that goal. <laughs> I think even Patrick Stefan probably could have scored it. Yeah, let's not go crazy here. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 But no, it's just been, a, it's, it's so strange. Like, I, the only thing I could say for Carolina is this has come up. It's for, uh, I saw they put out a troll video to New Jersey <laughs> and the guy eliminated. Okay, but that video that I love Carolina social media. They're probably my oh, favorite funny. social media team in they're the league. Oh my god, they're so good. The other one who's been like really good lately is Arizona's. Arizona's social media admin has been, he has I not swear I saw one say where to want our stadium or something. <laughs> it's it like at least at least you're self-aware. It was a rickroll. It was so oh, funny. So funny. It was so funny. It's but so just yikes. Like even Car- <laughs> like Carolina's social media admin, even though like Carolina's down 0 to 3 in the series, like his tweets still his or her tweets still don't miss. They still don't. No, they don't. Like every single one, even when they lose, is gold. Like it's so funny, and it's like I feel so bad for like, especially the social media managers because they don't control any of the games at all, and they have to take the most abuse out of like anyone. But especially hey, with that's... the Canes social media manager, oh yeah, his team's doing nothing wrong. Like the Canes could very easily be up like three to nothing in this series as well. Average Twitter user watches five minutes a game. He sucks, Benship. <laughs> this it's time. It's time to sit down and have a talk about the core four of Teravine and Natchez, Svechnikov, and Aho. They make too much money against the cap. Their insert name of general manager here has done nothing <laughs> for this team. You need to fire, fire Ron, Ron Brindamore. Brindamore. <laughs> That's how it would be if the Hurricanes were located in Toronto. That's also true. Like, I'm guilty well, yo, of it yo, too. I'm in, uh, guilty of it too. No, you guys are in a more uh, fucked situation though. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just my opinions on this conference final. I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed by it because the games haven't been bad. Like the games haven't been bad. It's just the results have been just not that great in my opinion like i would want to see a conference final like i want to see like i don't want to see like games where it's like six to five and stuff like that like i wouldn't mind it but at the same time i want like close competitive series that don't turn out to be sweeps yeah we literally might end up getting a repeat of a like habs lightning yeah 
with if it's Florida Vegas because I think Lightning were number were the number one seed going in the playoffs that year. Yeah, they were. Well, oh wait, they no, were no, 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 two. because they the, were two. Because uh, didn't the top four teams do a round robin that year? So it was 2021 for that one. So it was like this weird system where so you had the expansion, like yeah. The North Division, which is all the Canadian teams, which is why Toronto and uh Montreal played each other. So for each division, it was one, four, two, three, and then they just reseeded every time. Right, right, right. So that, for that, that year, took me, that took me a minute to remember that. Oh, who finished first in that? I think it was Carolina that year, too. I think Carolina finished first in that division because it was weird. It was like a Southern division. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know Tampa and Florida played each other in the first round, and that was the most brutal. That year. The most brutal game I've ever seen in my entire life mm-hmm. was Florida versus Tampa Bay game one in 2021. That game, Let me see if I can remember, like, if I can find it. I encourage weird. every single hockey fan just to even look up the highlights of that game. Like it was some of the most hard hitting action I've seen. Like it rivals Penguins and Flyers in 2012. Like it's that brutal. Or not. You literally said 2021 and my yeah. stupid brain typed 2020. Yeah, it happens. I'm looking it up very quickly right now yeah. on NHL.com. I try it to forget was... that year. <laughs> I know. For I know. obvious reasons. I know. Uh, no, Lightning Lightning were three, actually. Yeah, because I think it was Panthers. They played Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And then they played Carolina and beat up four. Not surprised. Tampa in 2020, 2021, like you couldn't beat them. Literally the only Even team that with almost the Caps did was the Huh? Literally the only team that did was the Islanders. And even then they didn't. Yeah, they took them all the way to game seven and lost one nothing. Islanders were arguably the second best team in hockey. Go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> the Islanders during those two years were arguably the second best team in hockey. Because they were the only team that brought Tampa even close to being to being eliminated. Even the yeah. cup finals weren't even close. But it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, do you want to jump into the uh off ice? Do we want to talk now? about LOL one or uh-oh. <laughs> uh let's talk about Arizona. Cause I think also LOL. All right, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big let's LOL. Talk... I mean I have very mixed feelings about what's going on. So for those of you that don't know, the Arizona Coyotes for months now have been in negotiations with the city of Tempe to build this massive sports complex that would obviously bring in an arena. It would bring in restaurants. It would bring an entire entertainment center for concerts and stuff like that. But it also would cost a ton of money. Yeah. I think it was like $2 billion, wasn't it? Or was it more? Something within the ballpark like that. Um, the, the stadium itself wouldn't have been $2 million. It was like the entire complex in general. It's still a yeah. lot of money. Um, but basically what happened was um, lawmakers in, or well, really voters in the city of Tempe voted mm. a resounding no to this complex. And honestly, I don't really blame them because there's a lot and not better once, things. Not twice. But three times. Yeah, because there were three proposals. Three I think there was, out. I think there was one for just the arena, like they'd only build the arena. The second one was for the entire complex in general. And I think the third one 
had something to do with they were cutting out a little portion of the entertainment center. I think it was the concert pavilion and build the rest like now and save it for later. Um, Let me see. I think I can find the stats if I'm able to. But like I know the yes to no's like the no's outvoted the yeses by like I think it was something like five percent. It might have been even bigger than that. Like it was a pretty big disparity between the two. Actually, I know exactly where I could find it quickly. <laughs> City of Tempe voter system. No, uh, urinating treat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember he talked about it. Using the primary sources. I mean, they're not they're not bad sources. I, I like them. I do. But just for this whole situation, like when I first saw yeah. it, I was like. When I first saw it, I kind of giggled a little bit because like Arizona plays in like a 5,000 person arena at Arizona State and they don't even fill that building. So part of me feels like even if this arena deal went through, it would have been a not ideal situation because like you saw it in Glendale, we saw it in Phoenix where the Coyotes just can't fill, fill a building. And I don't think it's because of the people living there not being interested in hockey. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem uh, that's is... a weak excuse because I yes, people are saying that it's a weak excuse. California yeah. is getting hockey with places like yeah. San Jose and the Kings. Uh Dallas. Dallas. Vegas. Dallas gets good crowds. Yeah. Look at Vegas. Vegas even. It's a similar area. Like people are like, hockey doesn't work in the desert. Vegas is doing super well. Like, I get it, they're winning, but like you mean to tell me if Arizona, if the Coyotes had the same success that Vegas did. It wouldn't the be the Sharks other way around until the last few years. I get Vegas is a bigger city and it's a bigger market, but at the same time, winning cures a lot of woes. It does. Like if the Coyotes even had like one or two good years recently, I don't think we're sitting here talking about this. I think the Coyotes get that deal done no matter what, because they have enough fans yeah. that are invested in the team. <clears throat> and it doesn't help when the only playoff birth I can remember happened because of a pandemic. Yeah, it was 2021, and I think they were sitting like 10th in their conference or something. I don't even think they no, should have made that, the playoffs. They were like they were like sixth before yeah. the deadline bought Taylor Hall, Carl Soderberg, I think one other guy. Phil Kessel was on that team too. Was he? Yeah. No but like, and then just... they went up. And that's kind of been the story with Arizona. It reminds me a lot of the Thrashers. Like, it's not that Thrashers fans in Atlanta weren't interested in the team. It's just the team never won and never made an effort to win. And that's kind no, of my feeling yeah, with actually, the Coyotes. Actually, that's, really that's a really good point to bring up because I watched, yeah. <laughs> given the fact I was looking at the, the three plans, which was amending the general plan, which was just like the basic plan, yeah. resonating the property, which if I remember correctly... Or rezone, rezone, yeah, rezone the property. Because you, like you said, I think going to a different spot mm -hmm. or entering an agreement with uh the group was called Bluebird Development LLC, yeah, and all three of those got struck down. And I think the issue is, like you said, winning is always going to be a big, big like reason to cure ailments. It's the reason why the Islanders, I think, had a massive turnaround with oh their yeah fan base was that they started winning again. 
through very weird and unconventional means. Yeah. But they started winning and they got a new proposal list. That's that's finished, right? That's been finished, right? Oh yeah. This was yeah, the second years year ago. UBS center's been open. But like yeah. even look at my point earlier. Like the Islanders weren't a great team, but in 2020 and 2021, they had those two good years. And lo and behold, that new arena complex gets agreed to in the middle of mm-hmm. their window. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like look Look at the Penguins in 2000, I think it was 2003, 2004. Yes. They were on the brink of moving the team to Kansas City. And then the Penguins got Sidney Crosby out of the draft lottery, got really good, won three cups. And now we're sitting here like the Penguins are just a great market. Even and Nashville. I think, yeah, like I think the same all of these teams are genuinely good markets for <clears> hockey. <throat> Just the problem is the NHL has a very massive issue with keeping fans when their teams aren't winning because the league isn't really all that good enough to keep eyes on the screen if your team's not playing well. This has been the closest. The last few years have been the closest. The last two, I would say. And even then, they still got ways to go. Yeah. (laughs) It's the biggest issue. But... um. It, it's just tough because I think the other part that goes with it, there's there's three elements that go to it. Winning. And it might, actually, I guess they all kind of go together. Winning. A good environment. And Arizona has just been filled with issues from top to bottom, from issues with funding. I mean, we all we saw all the stories with the, um, I forget who their owner's name is. He was a big guy with casinos. And then oh, when the pandemic hit, yeah. he lost a lot of money. I not through his that. own fault, obviously, but like yeah. he lost money through unfortunate circumstances. But yeah, you no know, stuff happens. It's business. You got to deal with it. And there's just there was just no change casinos can make. Um, yeah, because I remember that was why they couldn't retain Taylor Hall because they wanted to resign. Yeah, that's exactly him. what happened. Yeah, they wanted to re-sign him, but the owner lost so much money during the pandemic. And like, of course, like which owners wouldn't when their business is tied to something that like needs community involvement? Alex Morello. Yeah. His name. Yeah. He ended up having to sell the team. It was that bad. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, no, he he lost money. <clears throat> they've they've had a lot of turnover and and this goes to the third point. They've had issues with ownership, but they've also just had a really toxic environment. And I think the if, you, if Arizona fans want to put someone's head on a stick, uh, you know exactly who I'm going to mention here. John Chaka. He yeah. single-handedly turned the Coyotes into a laughing stock. I think it's been John Chaka is definitely one of the main catalysts to this. But I just think I don't think it's just him. I think he's because, one of the biggest like, reasons. Yeah, he's definitely like in terms of tiers, like if we're going off a pyramid, John Jake is at the top. He's definitely mm-hmm. at the top. But if you look at their tenure in the league throughout the entire time they've been in the league, when have they been relevant other than that one conference final appearance? I don't even remember what year that was. 2012. <clears throat> oh my God, it's been that long. It's been that long. Jesus. And not many teams can survive not being good for so long. The only yeah. teams that can survive being mediocre to not good 
for so long are genuine hockey markets. Like any team in Canada, your Minnesotas, your Boston's, yeah. Philly. Like it's one Even of those bad. things. Yeah. Philly, Philly will always have a good market. They're crazy about their sports teams. That is they true. Really are. We are psycho. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where like, if you go to a non-conventional market, like especially in the South, look at Carolina and Florida, two teams in the conference finals selling out their building. You could look back to 2015 when both of these teams were like at their worst point where they weren't even filling up 30% of their stands. Carolina, like no yeah. team's immune to it. Like the NHL, like I think this is a more broad problem than just the Coyotes. The NHL needs to make strides with connecting to fans more to keep them involved with their team. Because I guess like, I'm curious about this. You mm-hmm. got a good you got a good sense of like hockey marketing and stuff like yeah. this, I would say. Mm-hmm. What would be like <clears throat> what would be steps like, especially in the places like like Dallas, Tampa, uh you know, uh where's where's Florida place? Sunrise? Yeah, they play in Miami. Miami, like Miami, the, Miami's area, yeah, around there, yeah, the Miami Sunrise area, Carolina. Um, why do I think there was a Houston team? I'm an idiot. Ignore me. Uh, I mean, there San could Jose, be soon. places like that. Like, how do you keep markets like that engaged? I guess is my question. So, what I would do, <clears throat> which this is what a lot of teams do, this is what a lot of teams in Canada do. You have to get your fan, you have to find a way to get your players and your fans involved together, whether that's through like service in the community or having open practice to let kids come watch you or starting up youth programs like the Caps do, uh, like Little Caps, the Penguins do Steel City Selects, Uh, there's Junior Hurricanes, there's Junior Knights, stuff like that. You have to get more involved with your community and arizona does that like they have the junior coyotes austin matthews played on that team but it's Mm -hmm. one thing to have those programs it's another thing to be actively involved with them it's one of those things where you have to share a community like hey we're invested we're not going to try to pick up and move we're trying to build a community here we're trying to keep everyone together it's one of those things where you need to be active you can't get complacent and expect everyone to fill your building up when you're not a good team if you form a connection with these cities that you're playing in, teams will come root for you no matter what. They really will. It's been like, look at, Tor- look at Toronto. They've been objectively bad, even though like they've been decent in the last couple of years, but just look at their history. They've been objectively <laughs> terrible, but you see all of these players past and present doing charity work outside of the organization, playing in tournaments with fans, coaching little kids teams. It's stuff like that. Like it really starts. Yeah. It starts just like at the organization at the top and it has to trickle down to like the, like a kid who's six years old who can't afford to play hockey, who wants to start. I think that's something the NHL could learn very quickly. You need to find a way to get these equipment companies to lower their prices or just start equipment drives, get more people involved in the game. Cause if you get more people involved, more people will fall in love with the sport and the people that fall in love with the sport, if they're in your city, they'll come support you no matter what. I think that's like the most important thing that the NHL has dropped the ball on. I, I like that. Cause I guess, there's, because, you know, I've, I've had my, I've had a debate with my dad with stuff like baseball mm. and stuff like this, but 
with all with all sorts of things it's a sport it's entertainment it's all these things but yeah what what is sports at the end of the day there's a big level entertainment side to it which comes really content creation and the actual sport and all all these things all the promotions all these things but where where is everything down at the end of the day it's a business yeah sports is a business and if it doesn't like reach uh like people to where it's going to get people interested whether if it's like a personal connection or if it's just the game itself having issues where like places like football and baseball struggle sometimes and they make changes that openly screw with the game and they make changes that i think are beneficial to the game yeah and it's the same thing with hockey where you have issues with the on on ice product with things like bad officiating and things like that but you also have issues with off the ice with teams like with teams like more south that they push the market onto them and when they're good people show up but in the cases like arizona the thrashers florida until literally now and even then i know they were having a bit of attendance issues this year they weren't great yeah because they they were were all over the place yeah it's one of those things where it's like the only place where i've generally the only places where i've generally seen markets get pushed down south that have genuinely worked out denver because they actually are a hockey place yeah yeah vegas because they've been very successful and they're actually one of the few exceptions where they know how to market out to the city yeah They've done a great job with that. And like I said, I don't like Vegas, but I can't sit there and say that's not true. They're probably yeah. up there with some of the best. I'm up and I, I hate agree. saying that. And but like it's Vegas, a, it's a fundamentally true. And the thing that makes Vegas a lot different from like in <clears throat> Arizona, look at Vegas's pre-game, pre-game performances, even. Like, look how much they've embraced the city and embraced their identity in that city. Like, oh, like that's the, opening the difference and stuff like that. Yeah, and like oh, the yeah, like the remember poker the pro themes. games. Yeah, like the poker theme stuff. What was it? What was it like the All Star games and stuff like that? Yeah, or the whole events they did in Vegas, like yeah. cheesy. Yes, well done. Yeah, very much so. But they've for the embraced most part. the city, like they've embraced where they're from, and that's what a lot of these teams have lost mm-hmm. track of, and that's why they're having trouble. And it doesn't matter yeah. what sport you're in. Yeah, that's why the only teams I thought actually did it well were uh, Vegas, Colorado, and uh, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. That was something that was picked up recently. Yeah, Nashville did great. Ten years. I think the best thing to happen to the Predators was having that All Star game and that Stanley Cup final run because that All Star game just brought so so many eyes to them. They did great. That was a great job by them. Like I think if you tried to host. And that's the issue right there. If you were to host in Arizona. I think people would come. I think so. But the other issue is it also falls on the organization to get things right. And that's when Arizona was a complete disaster. Yeah, because you can't have off the ice. You can't have an all-star game at Mullet Arena. I'm sorry. You can't do it. But like, just think about it. Like people will go to Vegas for an all-star weekend, right? Similar area, like all-star games, like what? middle of january early february something like that right before the trade deadline yeah Yeah. i couldn't think of one person who wouldn't want to go to arizona in the middle of january where it's like 70 degrees really nice out 
to watch some hockey. You can do stuff yeah. in the city too, like <clears throat> relatively comfortably. There is good stuff like in Phoenix and Tampa. Yeah. And stuff. But I think uh, I've always said this because I know all the Arizona teams have genuinely had a lot of issues, especially when they're bad. I know the yeah. Suns have had plenty of issues even when they were winning. I know they've had issues the last few years with attendance. The Diamondbacks have always had attendance issues. Yeah, they have. And Arizona, the Cardinals. Eh, the Cardinals have had underrated had cons- attendance issues. They've had so many bad attendance issues. State Farm yeah. Stadium is a pile of crap. Um, or State Farm Arena or whatever it's called. It's disgustingly bad. Yeah. <laughs> the Super Bowl can attest to that. Uh, but long story short, I know Arizona is always just going to have issues with attendance. But yeah. I don't know to see it this bad, like to the point where like, I don't even remember if they were sell. I don't think they were selling out most of their games. At- they weren't. And tickets at Mullet arena, I think we're averaging like 40 bucks for glass seats or something crazy like that for glass seats, glass seats. Yeah. And like, mind you, for crazy. people who don't know what the attendance is, it's Arizona state stadium, right? Yeah. yeah it's arena. Arizona state stadium, which if people don't know, uh, that holds only around five thousand. Yeah, I think like forty six hundred or something crazy like that. And they weren't selling out most nights, averaging around three thousand eight hundred the last time I looked. That's apathetic. And Please come to our games level bad. Most of the fans that were there were away team fans. Yeah. To make matters worse, I remember the game where they played Boston at Mullet Arena. And that that place was eighty percent Bruins fans. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it's just been a it's just been a multitude of issues yeah. from loot hemorrhaging money, not winning, the bad culture. Like I said, from John Chica to uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, let's lose our draft picks because of tampering or whatever the the stupid draft thing they yeah. did. Working um, out prospects to... before they were allowed to. Yeah, working out props before they were allowed to before. While in that same draft, after losing three of your picks, uh, your first pick was probably one of the biggest pieces of shit that have ever graced a hockey arena ever. You know who oh, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, it was yeah. Mitch their first Miller. pick that draft was Mitch Miller. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, people don't remember that. What that was Arizona who did that. <laughs> He was projected to be a first round pick. He got oh skipped three. He got skipped three times by every other organization. Arizona took him with their first pick. It sums up how ignorant and stupid they are, and they don't understand what they're doing as a business, as an organization. Oh my god, I forgot and, about that. Yeah, this is it's little. Even if it, it's not like something big, like losing money or the bad culture that Jacob put in, or just all the failure and just. All, all the bad trades, all the bad signings, the amount of time they've swallowed bad players, contracts. Like literally half their team is like LTIR. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, but like they've took, they've taken like four or five. Yeah, I think it's with like people on the LTIR. Pavel Datsuk was one. Marion Hosa. Um, I mean, now I swear they have Ben shit. Bishop's contract right now. I think they have Ben Bishop's. Oh God, who is it? Is it Pacioretty's? No. No, it's not Pacioretty's. No, Pacioretty's with the Canes. Oh, damn it. It's someone who, like, just recently retired. Brent Seabrook, I think. Um, oh, my God. Oh, shit. There's another one. Damn it. Oh, this is going to bother me so much. Let me see if I can find it. Quickly. Yeah, I know. There's, like, 
I know there, I know it's Marion Hosa and Pavel Datsuk. I know the those are two of the ones that they still have. But I find it on cap friendly. Oh my god. Dude, the Islanders should call Arizona and ask him if they want a Rick DiPietro's contract. <laughs> They're still paying him until 2029 or something crazy like that. Oh, they have two actually. They have two other yeah. ones we haven't talked about. One, they're still swallowing uh, OEL's contract right now. Oh yeah. They have dead cap of that till 2027. A million. Around a million each year. Oh. Get to um, that cat basement. Brian Little. They still have one year Brian Little. Oh, they have Andrew Ladd, don't they? No. Oh, damn. They have Brian Little, Jakub Voracek. That was the name I was trying to remember. And Shea Weber. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Because it was they, Vegas they are... who got him, and then Vegas had to trade him for relief. Wow. They traded... They took Shea Weber's contract, and he is he that their injured reserve is almost as much is only nine million less than their entire team's payroll. Dude, they're not even trying, man. Like that's my point. They're not they're even taking trying. Shea Weber's contract. He's he is owed over twenty two million dollars. Till twenty twenty six, dude. Arizona's and that's the difference. That's the difference between teams that like are bad unintentionally. Like, there's nothing they can do about it. Arizona's yeah. just bad because they don't want to try. Like, that's bullshit. Because this case is in point. Because like you could compare this to another team that's swallowing tons of money for contracts. You know who I'm talking about? The the Wild. Yeah. Literally, I think they're paying Suter and Parise till twenty thirty or something like that. Yeah, and that's, like, not even, well, it's their GM's fault, Chuck Fletcher's fault, but, like, it's not like they're intentionally not no, they're paying making players. It work. And they're making yeah. it work even with having to swallow, I think it's $8 million every year. Yeah. And that's so, a damn good player. $8 million can damn near get you dry sidle. Like, that's mm-hmm. great. Like, that's probably the best value contract in the league, but it puts things into perspective. Yeah, they can get you a lot of players. They can get you. Uh, why am I so dumb? Why am I thinking players are around eight? I mean, Clayton Keller is around that. I think Clayton Keller is around that, and like even Clayton Keller, like throughout this whole thing, like he Boy, has yeah. openly said that all he wants is stability, but he can't get it. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he's gone. And with this whole thing, like, I keep seeing people are like, oh, Arizona's going to get desperate. Like, they're going to try to make a full push for Austin Matthews. And I'm like, okay, that might be true. But, like, with what money? Yeah, what what does that even solve, if anything? Literally, they have no money to do it. Austin Matthews would probably cost 50% of their player payroll they're paying right now. I also don't think he's an idiot to want to go play. That's the other thing. Yeah, it's like a it's like a lot of teams you see with issues with this. It's almost like a black hole, like black void of just like just a hopeless chasm of yeah. like players don't want to go there. Because like, for we the talk. longest time for like the Jaguars, for yeah, the NFL, yeah, because they were they were such a disgustingly bad ran organization until literally last year. Um. And it's the same way now. And I look at like just something as simple as I look at who they have. They have most of their defenders coming back, save for one. Yeah. Um, 
they only have, if I'm counting this right, seven forwards coming back. And the names are Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Lawson Krause, Zach Cassian, Barrett Hayden, Travis Boyd, Liam O'Brien. That is an AHL team with Clayton Keller on it. And Nick Schmaltz. That's literally it. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if those two guys are gone. Uh, they if they would trade them. Schmaltz. Schmaltz has a modified no trade clause. Well, I, I think Clayton them. Keller. I think Clayton Keller is going to get traded. I don't. I don't see him wanting to play there. Uh, like I know we talk. I know we talk a lot of shit on a couple of teams who are teams are just bad right now. But I would rather play for like a bottom feeder team, like an Anaheim. Literally, I'd rather go play for Chicago. With the culture change that or hopefully Anaheim. is happening there, yeah. I'd literally rather go play for either of those two teams. Oh my god! In Arizona, and it's it's such a shame as well because I've seen like like I've seen two I've seen two statements of like because it goes to the next point we've we've had that we haven't really talked about. Especially with this, this was like I look at this like with the same way Oakland A's were they when they put up a big thing for Howard Terminal, like the whole big nine yards, and that that fell through because it was yeah. never going to happen. It was so much money. Oakland, California, does not actually have the money to build that stadium, yeah. given how much homeless they homeless population they have there. It's yeah. so bad in Oakland, and I don't and blame I don't, them. Yeah, no, I don't blame and them for wanting to support that team. Like, there are things that are more important in that community than supporting a team that, like, because the Oakland A's, look at them. They're basically the equivalent. They don't try to win. No, and they're probably going to Vegas, most likely, ironically. They're they're, they're going to Vegas. It's all but confirmed. They're going to Vegas. Literally, two teams leaving Oakland and going to Vegas. Yeah. Jesus. And I think this is, like, I think it's a good segue for Arizona because, like, this sucks for their fans. Because they haven't seen a good team in forever. So that part sucks because we know they're diehard Coyotes fans. They exist. They're diehard fans for any team. And it sucks. I feel terrible for them because they've been supporting their team. They've been buying jerseys. They've been doing all the right things without seeing anywhere close to a winner. And now your team's going to move. I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. No, it is when. No, it's literally... When when I see things like Patrick Mahomes and actual fucking senators reaching out saying like, hey, we'd love to have like they could go to Kansas City. You don't think Kansas City would not welcome that team with open they arms? Got the Penguins. Yeah. You don't think that team wouldn't welcome them with open, open arms? You yeah. don't think Hartford, Connecticut, even though it sounds like a stupid idea. They had a hockey team in the past. Yeah, they, they had did. fans. I don't remember how crazy good, like how crazy your attendance was. It obviously yeah. wasn't good enough to keep them out. But you know, if they put a team in the New England area that wasn't Boston, you don't think people would go? I, know, I think they would. I know one team where it wouldn't matter if the team was god awful or amazing that would make money. It doesn't matter if they were great or if they were terrible. It would still make mm-hmm. money. Quebec City. Quebec City, like I like I get the comparison from Houston to Quebec City. Houston has a much bigger city. But uh, Houston, like, if yeah. this team is hemorrhaging money, because think about how much money the NHL has spent on the Coyotes, because they owned them for so a while. Much. They no, spent a ton spent of so money much. on this team investing to keep them in Arizona. I would think the league would want to make money like that they lost from the Coyotes. If you want to like recoup those assets. I put them in Quebec City. 
I put him in Quebec City and award Houston with an expansion team at some point. I could see that. I would think because the thing is, this this sounds weird. I feel like there's so many cities that you could put NHL teams. I think you could put one in Houston. I think you could put one back in Hartford. I think they do great. I think you could put one in Kansas City and the market would go. Oh, my God. Imagine like Chiefs fans at those games. I've seen Arrowhead. They would fill up that stadium and it would probably be one of the loudest places ever. Um, I think even a place like Salt Lake City would do great. Salt Lake City would be very underrated. I think Salt Lake City would be an amazing place to put a hockey team. It'd It'd rival the Avalanche with how good it is. Even Quebec City, I I would agree with that as well. I think the sweet spot. The sweet spot for the NHL, I think, in terms of teams is around 36 to 40, just because like Canada's into it, like super into it. They deserve one or two more teams. I believe Um, that. But at the same time, there's so many like markets in the States that I think would be great for the sport. Like, I think you could have a 40 team league because you have two nations playing the sport and like genuinely playing the sport. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right on that. I think you'd have 36 to 40. Like would I necessarily like that? I mean, if they do that, I'd like to see the Stanley cup playoffs expanded a little bit rather than eight. I would do like a playing tournament like the NBA does at a certain point. If you expanded it that big, it gives more teams an opportunity to make the, to make the playoffs, do what Florida and Carolina is doing and expand the market. Like, I think it's a good idea. Um, but in terms as, of like Arizona, I don't know. I think they're just screwed. I think they are too. This was their last shot. I think I really believe that was their last shot, and it got resoundingly just the middle finger from Arizona. And I don't blame them because they the last genuine NHL building they play in it was they played it. It was in it was in Glendale. It was Gila, Gila River Arena or something like that. Two years ago, they couldn't pay the rent to the building. That's why they no. got kicked out. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Like again, we wouldn't be they having this conversation. It it's just crazy. Like I don't know where you go from here other than moving the team. I think you have to move it. Yeah, uh, let's just be. I'll be shocked if it goes to Canada though quickly because I was like, yeah. Remember what the Thrashers? They pretty much didn't want to go to. Winnipeg, I think they kind of just yeah. came out of their left and kicking and screaming because uh, Atlanta Spirit LLC is oh, they're oh terrible. God, they're Any, terrible. Or was it Atlanta Spirit? Yeah, LLC? yeah, because it was the same morons who bought the Hawks. They, yep, and the Hawks oh, my did terrible God, they were too. Both under terrible them. because it was just it's the same thing with the Coyotes. There was just consistent fighting, toxic culture, like lack of care to the team. They put no effort into winning. None. And then they made an effort to save money, and then they signed—I forget who it was—on the Hawks to a crazy contract that pretty much bankrupted the Joe Johnson. Yeah, it pretty much bankrupted the owners, and he was not that good. He was terrible when he got to the Hawks. It's just uh... like I don't know. I think best case scenario is you move the Coyotes to Salt Lake City or Houston. Mm-hmm. And I guess wait for another expansion team, maybe. Like, I don't think this is the end of for hockey in Arizona. I just think it's the end of the Coyotes organization in general. I think it, and just it can happen where you bed. lose a team and it comes back. Yeah. Um, 
San Jose is a great example of that. San Jose's done it. Atlanta done it. Granted, did it. Well, granted, they left twice, but I don't think either. <laughs> I don't think either time the team left Atlanta was the city's fault. The no, Thrashers were the definitely an owner problem. It was an owner problem. It's an organizational issue. It's not a city yeah. issue. And I think it's the same way here. Yeah, it, it's just a disappointment. it sucks. It really sucks because, like, it's not – if it was the city's fault, like, I wouldn't feel bad. Like, if the city just flat out, like, just didn't support them, didn't care about the sport, like, that's one thing. Like, say the Coyotes were doing what Florida is doing right now and still no one showed up. That's completely different to what's happening right now. Yeah. People aren't showing up because the team's not worth it. It's just like the Cardinals. People aren't showing up because the team's not worth it. Uh, you thought attendance last year for Arizona Cardinals were bad. It's going to be worse Ooh. this year. Obviously, they Seahawks might fans. win so I'm two games. They might win two games. I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm going to relish this yeah. all year. <laughs> Dude, they, they might but, win two games. Maybe. Uh, it's going to be so bad. But Maybe. Uh, I guess let's address the last elephant in the room. Yeah. Or, uh, After or, that, uh, a heavy good topic. old Champlain. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. The good um, old Champlain. I watched a whole two hours of the whole podcast to get uh, to get a full rundown of the story, so I understood what happened at all. Yeah, <laughs> I watched the press conference oh. when it was happening. Um, Honestly, yeah, that's a big press conference. I think this, I think this was when I was heading back from Hershey Park, which is kind of funny, but I watched. Or well, listen to the entire press conference for Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas's press conference, in my opinion, I don't think it like, I don't think it was bad. Like, I don't think he said anything that made him unqualified for being the general manager of the Leafs. I think it, he way, was no. genuine. I think he was genuine, saying, "Hey, like." I need to talk to my family about this because being a GM in Toronto's market with that much pressure is it's it's tough. Like just think I, of how much even I've well. criticized Kyle Dubas in the last couple months. Like that's just even me. So it's like I don't blame Dubas for wanting to talk to his family about possibly doing this job for another five to six years. I don't blame him. Yeah. And it's like you can read Dubis's uh, statement on it because I think it, I think it pr- prints a pretty pretty good picture as to what he's going through. Yeah, I guess I can read this quickly. Um, while I understand there is interest surrounding the circumstances on my departure, I will not get into the specifics of what I consider to be reasonable. And just stop me if you th- if you hear any point that you want to elaborate mm-hmm. on. A consistent but private discussions. In the days that I felt I needed to assess and evaluate my own view to the future, both with respect to the necessary direction of the club and ensuring that I had the full support of my family for what I knew would be required in the offseason and years to follow, the organization, as is their right to do, decided to go in a different direction. In the nine seasons since being afforded the opportunity to work in the National Hockey League for the Toronto Maple Leafs, we have had the chance to learn a lot, and have grown significantly through the ups and downs. We have watched our family double in size while developing meaningful relationships, which will last a lifetime. It was an honor to be able to work in such an inspiring place with dedicated, loyal, and extremely and an extremely passionate fan base. Uh, the impact of that and the relationships with all the people at MS, MLSE, from the board of directors through the 
to the ushers at Scotiabank Arena will forever hold a, cl- a dear place in our hearts. To the players, coaches, and staff at the facility you stay, past and present, thank you for your passion and commitment at every step of the journey together. It was a tremendous pleasure to work alongside you each day. We will roll on from here. The Dubis family and honest tweet is just one word, onward. Yeah, and I think Dubis handled this situation a lot better than the Leafs organization did. Yeah, I will say there was one pitfall I saw with how he kind of handled. Well, it was him and like his agent because like yes, he said like along the lines of like like. Not like he was guaranteeing himself to come back, but he's like, like this is the place I want to, yeah. like this is the place I work or something like that. I forget exactly what he said. I know you might remember it better than me. So he basically said that it was either Toronto or nowhere, which I don't think that I don't think it's true. I'll yeah, it's gonna to make him look a lot bad if he does decide to go to like you know Pittsburgh. Oh, Flames aren't gonna happen because they already happened. You know, but Nashville's GM, right? Huh. Nashville is a GM, right? Because they lost. Because the guy they had, I forget his name, Ryan Poyer, uh, or Mike, I forget his name. Dave Poyle. Dave Poyle, uh, retired. Retired. Yeah. Health issues, and I it's, don't know uh, if they got someone new. Barry Schrotz. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the only team I know that right now needs a GM. Pittsburgh. Is Pittsburgh, yeah, because the Flyers got Keith Jones. Dude, they rushed so bad with that. <laughs> They should have waited. The Flames got somebody. I forget their name. I forget. I didn't read um that release yet because it just happened today. I think. Yeah. Go. Uh. Go. Um, you're saying I'm gonna look it up. But in terms of Dubis, like people are saying Dubis is gonna look like an idiot for like leaving the Leafs and going to Pittsburgh. But my whole my thing is Dubis. I don't think his agent handled it well. I think if he didn't hire an agent, we're not sitting here having this conversation. I think Dubis resigns without a problem. But from what I yeah. understand, from what I understand, I saw a tweet earlier today that outlined a like one of the major rifts between Kyle Dubis and Brendan Shanahan. Because I don't know if you noticed this throughout the playoffs, but Kyle Dubis and Brendan Shanahan sat together for every single game of the regular season, every single game in in the playoffs, except for this year. And I think from what I saw from Frank Saravalli, who works for Sportsnet, is um, he said that there was a rift between Dubas and Shanahan before the season even started because Shanahan would openly veto moves that Kyle Dubas wanted to make. And the one that kind of tipped Dubis over the edge and made him pissed was, according to Frank Saravalli, there's a quote tweet from him. After speaking with a few staff members at MLSE about the apparent rift between Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubis, I was told that it began in the 2021 offseason, so last year. Dubis had a deal in place to send a 2021 fifth-round pick to Buffalo for Tage Thompson. Yeah. No shot. Yep. There's no way Buffalo would have taken that deal. It was before Tage Thompson had his breakout 40-goal season. It was it was the offseason before it happened. Oh, which is this is two years prior, right? Yeah. 2021 offseason. Oh, so and before apparent, the year he was playing, like, really, yeah. the first year he played, really. And oh. Dubis, within, well, within reason, got pissed about it. Because Shanahan was like, no, we don't have enough draft capital to do that. 
even though it was a fifth round pick. And Buffalo, Buffalo agreed to it, but Shanahan apparently vetoed it. Because back then, Tate Thompson was like a, he was a 20 point player before that. Yeah. And then he's scoring 40, 45. Yeah, he's scoring 40, 45 goals, 100 plus points to see. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And my issue with this entire process is like Maple Leaf sports and entertainment try to pride themselves on being like this very, like this very processed based organization. Like they're, they're deliberate in what they do. They don't care how long they take as long as they take the right actions, because like with an organization in that location, you have to do it because your fans are all over you all the time. Yeah. But my problem with this is they Shanahan even said to Kyle that he wasn't going to be offered a contract until the season end because it's where the board of directors wanted to go. They wanted to see where the team would go under Dubas. They had a deal in place after game six of the Tampa series. Okay. And they were getting ready to sign it. And this is where I, this is where I think Dubas messed up because I don't think Dubas is a saint in this, but I don't think he deserved the treatment that he got. Dubas's agent comes to Brendan Shanahan with a different offer than the Leafs gave him. Like there was a $2 million gap or something like that. Something that they easily could have closed. And Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment was monitoring Dubas's performance throughout the entire nine years he was there. And Shanahan said that on the car ride home from talking to Dubas, that he had a change of heart because of Kyle Dubas's press conference. So you mean to tell me that Brendan Shanahan changed his mind after a 30-minute press conference that Dubas had saying that he wanted to talk to his family about his future first. Like, uh, I, I don't get it. What makes you think that someone wants to come and be the general manager of this team with someone breathing down their neck in Brandon Shanahan and the pressure that comes with being MLSC. any role, being any role in Toronto? That's actually a really good point. But I also... The issue is, I think one, I think he's got something breathing down his neck. First off, it's called the the, the board in in MLSC. Yeah. yeah, MLSC. I, yeah, I think he's got all of the MLSC breathing down his neck, and that's the that's where it's going to get interesting because yeah. if they were to hire someone, I and I don't know if you do or not. I think you might. They might let him do it, but. That's the issue is like if you do hire someone, one, the candidates are light. The number one yeah. candidate I saw is Brad Tree Living. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hell no. And that, but that's the issue that. is no matter who they hire, though, it's gonna be like a case of um like wh- where does it start with him and end with Shanahan? W- with statements well, like what he just put out. That would be something I would have. It'd be like with Brian Burke when he was at Pittsburgh. Oh my god! What did he do? Like it's one of those cases. Like what was he deciding versus Ron Axtell? Like it's one of those cases where it's like, I don't like. If they were to bring him in, I would sit there. You could get mad at the moves, but it'd be like, is it really him making the moves? I think the deals that were made were purely dubious, but they got the green light from Shanahan. I, Shanahan mostly plays the role of an advisor, so. 
this is like American government talk. So like, say Dubis is basically like Congress. Okay. Yeah. Like they want to pass a bill. They do everything necessary, have all the votes to pass it. And then it comes to the president's desk and he needs to sign off to it. That's basically what the power dynamic is. Dubis does the deliberation with other GMs and the players with contracts and trades. Shanahan has the offer on his desk to sign off on it. And he has the option to sign off on it. Like you're good to go or say, no, you have to look at this or veto it entirely. That's basically what the power dynamic is like. And Dubis did like that understandably because he had mm-hmm. deals that he wanted to do. And apparently there was something about the Nick Felino trade back in 2021 that Dubis didn't want to do, but Shanahan was adamant that he did it. So I think it was mostly Dubis went to the board and said like, Hey, I want to, I want to have full autonomy. I want to be able to make my own decisions freely because when I've been allowed to make my own decisions, they've worked out really well. He basically said in order for this to work, you guys need to one, give me more money, make me compensated for the job I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. And two, give me more autonomy to work I freely. Think, I think that's where the issue runs up now. Yeah. Is that if they gave him that stuff, it you know what it would have meant? Shanahan's out. Shanahan's out the door. That basically means Shanahan's out the door. And Shanahan Shanahan has the power to be like, no, you're gone. I want to keep my job. Even though, mark my words, if the Leafs get get eliminated in the first round next year, and there's a high likelihood that they do, or they do something monumentally stupid and aren't able to re-sign Matthews to a contract this offseason, Brandon Shanahan is gone. So Brandon Shanahan is gone and Kyle Dubas is gone. And I am willing to bet money that Kyle Dubas will sign with Pittsburgh this offseason. I think he will sign with Pittsburgh. And signs Bradtree living. (laughs) I think, well, Pittsburgh had their GM choice all but done until Dubas became available. They were going to announce it today. And now they're speaking to Kyle Dubas. Oh. That's interesting. Also, yeah. it's a little off topic, but the point uh, we were looking up the GMs quickly. The Flames GM is uh, Craig Con- Craig Conroy. Why does that name sound familiar? Why do I feel like you worked with the Oilers, or am I thinking of someone else? The former player. Oh, that's probably why. I don't know if he. Yeah, I, I think that name sounds familiar. I don't know. I don't know if yeah, he's but, a um, new prospect general manager, which isn't necessarily bad for where the Flames are. But... The worst part is, is like I understand why Shanahan made the move he did. I get the amount of pressure that he got. I just think this was something where, and I don't think it's as much as Dubas as it was his agent, but he's still yeah. a, a little bit a part of it, where two yeah. egos didn't want to budge. They couldn't compromise. And the one who was technically lower on the scale ended up biting the bullet. Yeah. And I just, and what makes matters worse from what I saw, Shanahan wants to keep all four of them still. That's what I've heard. That's what I've seen. Literally, he wants to keep all four. They're not, it sounds like they're not going to move any of the four, at least from what I've seen. They are doing the worst case scenario, I think. 
I think this is worst case Definitely scenario. Up there. Unless what their plan is, I if their plan is to keep the core four until Tavares's contract runs out, I might be okay with that. But you're wasting you're wasting years of your stars, man. I don't know how long you can do that. Especially if, like, say Matthews, and this is a real possibility, say he signs another bridge deal for three years. That means the Leafs have two years to build a team with Matthews, Marner, and Nylander without Tavares. Because I think far and away, Tavares' contract is the worst of the core four because of how old he is. But, dude, you can't waste this much time. Especially because next year they they have two deals to deal with. I think they get the Matthews deal done, except this. This search for a general manager is super fucking risky. Especially with the amount of pressure you need. Like, I don't, I think this rules out the core four, like being separated. I think it rules it out entirely. But it puts a crunch time on getting a Matthews deal done. And it's one that I don't know if they have the time to do it. No, I'm looking up quickly right now. Like it's um, it's gonna be crunch time. I don't know how they're gonna do it. I really don't. I'm trying to see who's up there to potentially get GM jobs. I think it's gonna be their either their assistant GM or someone who's currently in their front office right now. Sporting news is telling me a very different story right now, but it could be wrong. Who is it saying? Um well Tree Living's one. Of course. Mark Bergevin. <laughs> Dude, you're going to see me walk off camera. At Eric, to Eric Tulski. Eric Tulski, I've seen some of his work that he's done. I wouldn't mind him. And Mark Hunter is the other guy. Mark Hunter, I wouldn't mind either. But if they sign... If they sign Mark Bergevin... Bergevin if they, oh God. if Mark Bergevin is the GM of the Leafs, I might go on strike. I might watch the Kraken <laughs> with you. I, I'm dead serious. You can't do a year first. I don't think I would watch them if Mark Bergevin is the GM. I don't. Dude, oh my God. That is awful. There's no way it has to be a troll. Oh, gee, let's sign Mark Bergevin, a guy who is genuinely. He took him to the cup final. (laughs) Dude, he literally took a shit on every single draft pick that he made, and Carey Price bails his ass out and makes it to a Stanley Cup final. Mark Bergevin would never have a job in the NHL again if it weren't for Carey Price. That's actually kind of true. And he still probably won't because he was terrible. Is so bad. He set the Habs back at least like five, six years. A decade. <laughs> oh, he was so terrible. He was so terrible. Wait, wait who I else is not. there? There's only two other names I've seen. This is just a list of people. Yeah. So I said Mark Hunter. I said Eric Tulski. Eric Tulski, I'm fine with. Oh, you're not gonna like the last two. <laughs> who are the last two? Oh, wait, there's three. They're, it's, gonna they're very unlikely. Bowman. it's gonna be Stan one, Bowman, isn't it? One. Fuck. He's one. These are probably very unlikely. They're not going to happen. Yeah. He's one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. <laughs> Dude, I just shat my. Oh my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
listen, listen to me. Listen to me right now. I know MLSU isn't watching this, but I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me right now. Because this is my Joker origin. If you sign Mark Bergevin, Peter Shirelli, Stan Bowman, or whoever the fuck the last guy was. Jim Benning, who bumbled his way out of Vancouver. I'm going to come up to Toronto. And you're not going to like when I do. Because when I come up to Toronto, I'm going to take an open shit on Brendan Shanahan's desk and make him wish he was never born. Or better not. I don't think any of those are going to happen, but I, if I were to guess on ones that could happen, Bergevin could happen. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It's if you speak right this into existence, we're if going to have a problem. I'm going to cry. I'm gonna we're going we're gonna to have uh, a problem. If I were to guess, it's probably going to be uh, why well, am I bad with names? It's going to be either Eric Tulski or Brad Tree Living, but I think it's Tulski. I have a bad feeling it's going to be Tree Living because Shanahan wants a yes, man. Then let Shanahan be the goddamn GM if he wants I think it so should. bad. I think they should. But let Shanahan be the GM, but no, he's it's not a lower title. It. It's less money, probably. It's less oh like business operations. They're not gonna do it. It's Dude, just, just let fucking Shanahan go. The Shanna plan is not working, dude. Bro. He's been here since 2013. What have they done? win a singular round that's about it like it's just it's not working it's just not working i uh if it's any of those four you mentioned i might have to riot i don't know i just might have to riot also i think he froze <laughs> I think my rant was so powerful that it made him freeze. Yeah, I think the rant was too powerful. Wow, I had the mic muted. We're having all kinds of problems, but... um. I think my rant was too powerful. I have Nick on the phone to uh, sign off. My uh, Wi-Fi committed sinusodal. Yeah, his Wi-Fi died mid-podcast. <laughs> got it back. I've been trying for a few minutes. I can't get it back. Oh my gosh! Well, we got we got we got through most of the rant, anyways. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Um. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Um, yeah, it it is good that it happened at the end. But um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, it was a little chaotic, but you know that that's life. Life has its ups and downs with chaos. Um, we will see you guys next week if your teams are still in the conference finals, especially if you're a Florida Panthers or Vegas Golden Knights fan. Good luck to you guys. Uh, to the teams that are down three to nothing. Maybe maybe you guys will become the fifth and sixth teams to overcome a 3 nothing deficit. Who knows? But thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, we will see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. See you later.